Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. I'll now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. You will have long blonde hair, big green eyes, world-class breasts, ass that won't quit, and legs that go all the way up. Mm. Two out of five, Fel? In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama episode 41, Tremors. I hope you're all keeping safe and well, uh, whether in isolation or if you are at work, if you're a key worker, thank you very much for everything that you're doing to keep the whole world running, basically. Um, it feels like everyone has been in isolation for, well, it just feels like, it feels simultaneously like forever and not very long at all. Um, but it's like the days are all blurring into one. Um, but if you are a key worker, um, know that you're appreciated for everything that you're doing for the rest of us. Um, if you are new to Verbal Diorama, welcome to my little podcast. Uh, as I said, this is the 41st episode. Um, and again, something completely different to the last one. Um, the last episode was Bridesmaids. Um, and a big thank you to everyone who just gave me some really lovely comments about Bridesmaids, um, especially about how much they enjoy the movie um, and how much the movie means to them. Um, it's been really well received and I've had some really lovely comments. So um, so that's great. And jumping straight in, there really is nothing to link Bridesmaids to Tremors, um, except maybe comedy. Um, but, I mean, Bridesmaids is more of a comedy. This is definitely kind of... it. It runs a fine balance between horror and comedy, but it does it really well. Um, and to be honest, I just really wanted to do a fun monster movie. I haven't really done one before. Um, and Tremors kind of has all of that in spades. Um, so without further ado, let's meet Val and Earl and find out that today was a really bad day to choose to try to leave Perfection, Nevada. Perfection. A scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl oh, decided to leave town. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. 
That's Edgar Dean's. They just picked the wrong day to do it. Jeez. You guys better get the hell out of here. There's a killer on the loose. Who could be doing it? Is that a snake? I'll give you boys five dollars for this. Twenty. how they get you. They're under the ground. What the hell are those things? How could they eat a whole station wagon? But where do they come from? I vote for outer space. No way these are local boys. You see, they're headed right for us. No Richter scale can measure it. They're coming! No scientist can explain it. Bert, they're under the ground! for Tremors, for anyone, well, if you don't know about Tremors, this episode's going to spoil the hell out of Tremors. Um, please go and see Tremors because it's really, really good fun. But um, I always like to do a little synopsis. So, tired of their dull lives in the small desert town of Perfection, Nevada, repairmen Valentine McKee and Earl Bassett try to skip town. However, they happen upon a series of mysterious deaths and concerned seismologist Rhonda, who's studying unnatural readings below the ground. With the help of an eccentric survivalist couple, Bert and Heather Gummer, the town of perfection fights for survival against giant worm-like monsters, hungry for human flesh and who appear to be as smart as they are deadly. (laughs) The cast, we have the one and only Kevin Bacon uh, as Valentine McKee, Fred Ward as Earl Bassett, Finn Carter as Rhonda Lebec, Michael Gross as Bert Gummer, Reba McIntyre as Heather Gummer, Victor Wong as Walter Chang, Tony Gennaro as Miguel, and a pre-Jurassic Park Ariana Richards as little Mindy Sterngood. Um, The story for Tremors was by Brent Maddock, S.S. Wilson and Ron Underwood. The screenplay was by Brent Maddock and S.S. Wilson, and it was directed by Ron Underwood. And these three guys working together is pretty much a pattern of this movie. They're very, very close, and they work together a lot to get this movie done. Ron Underwood, um, he would actually go on to do City Slickers the following year, um, as well as a couple of years after that, Mighty Joe Young. Uh, which I think is wonderful, actually, and I think is uh, is very, very underrated. So the idea for Tremors actually came from a very simple question, poised by two young filmmakers who were working for the US Navy, creating educational safety videos in the early 1980s. Uh, they were Brent Maddock and S.S. Wilson, and they were filming in the desert. And while climbing a large desert boulder, they wondered, what if there was something that wouldn't let them off that rock? Uh, This lent to the idea that was eventually dubbed Land Sharks. Um, They shared their idea with Ron Underwood. Uh, He was a friend of theirs. He was working as a documentary director with National Geographic. And the three conceptualised this Land Sharks uh, into creatures that could actually exist under the sand. 
Their idea wasn't for the typical scientist or army hero to save the day, but the two most unlikely people who were essentially odd job men. Um, in 1986, uh, Madika Wilson wrote Short Circuit, which became one of the biggest hits of that year. And then they followed that in 1987 with Batteries Not Included. Um, they wrote that alongside Verbal Diorama favourite Brad Bird. I've done a couple of episodes on his movies. So you know how much I love Brad Bird. The original screenplay for this movie was titled Beneath Perfection. Um, that was because Land Sharks was featured in an SNL sketch at the time. Um, and the original screenplay was completed in June 1988. Um, so at this point, the writers, having several hits under their belt, shopped the project around quite a bit um, and Universal were really interested and uh, an agreement was made for Universal. Um, and the project was originally written with the intention for Ron Underwood to direct it, um, even though he was actually a documentary director. And it took a lot of back and forth between the writers and Universal, but Universal did eventually agree to let the first-time movie director take the job. And that was basically because the writers were so insistent that he had to do it. Um, and again, this kind of trifecta of um, Maddock, Wilson and Underwood kind of all working very closely together um, to get this movie done. It was ultimately Kevin Bacon's involvement that got the final green light for the movie, because obviously Kevin Bacon was reasonably a big star at the time um he had obviously had a massive hit with footloose a few years prior um and he his star was really shining sort of late 80s early 90s so him being involved probably is what got the actual picture going there was a complete wildcard choice in the cast uh reba mcintyre she was known for being a country and western star at the time but she was actually very keen to get into acting um, she was actually signed with Universal's music division. So being at the time a huge country and Western star in Universal's music division probably helped somewhat. Um, but she actually read for the part of Heather um, just as anyone would. And they were just really wowed by her. Um, and the fact that she was uh, capable with a firearm, that she could handle a gun, that she knew what she was doing with a gun, um, that obviously helped very much for the role of Heather Gummer. Um, the movie was shot in Lone Pine on the eastern slope of the Sierra Nevadas, about three hours north of Los Angeles, uh, the same location as Gunga Din. So shooting on location in the desert had its drawbacks. So obviously uh, there was lots of heat, uh, there was lots of wind, uh, there was lots of dust. Um, but the first day shooting actually brought snow, of all things. Um, and the actual set, the town of perfection, that was actually built near Olancha, California. We can't really talk about tremors, though, without talking about the graboids themselves. Um, so the graboids are obviously the worm-like creatures that are under the sand. Um, they are the things that scared me the most when I was a kid. Um, my mother will tell you I had terrible nightmares the first time I watched this movie. I guess it wasn't really the graboids as much, although they were quite scary. But my nightmares were actually based around the scene in the shop where um, Rhonda has to climb the shelves and then the shelves fall. I used to have recurring nightmares about that. Um, but the thing that was chasing me was never a graboid. It was always a crocodile because when I was a kid, I had a thing about crocodiles as well. But there was like the two, two fears put into one into this um, nightmare. So, you know, me being a kid and watching this movie was, was pretty much hell. Now I watch it and I really enjoy it. But uh, anyway, so the graboids... Um, they were the wonderful creations of a company called Amalgamated Dynamics. So there were three full-sized, eight-foot-high graboids 
Uh, they had functioning heads and they had opening mouths and they were operated by two puppeteers in a pit. Um, they were also operated by a guy called Tom Woodruff. And what he would do is he would actually go inside the graboid. So inside the little wormy bit, he was in there. He was often essentially buried alive for long periods of time. So clearly not claustrophobic and clearly very dedicated to the art of special effects. The original design came from earthworms including the way that they actually move through the ground. Obviously, the graboids have these little spiky things that kind of pull themselves through the ground, and earthworms do the similar sort of thing with tiny little hairs. Um, the original designs for the graboids were somewhat phallic in nature, uh, with the head emerging. Um, and let's say that they uh, they circumcised the graboids for the final design. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's not particularly difficult to kind of see potentially phallic look to these incredibly sort of long worms um it's worth highlighting too that amalgamated dynamics you might not have heard of them um they're certainly not as well known in the industry as something like industrial light and magic for example but amalgamated dynamics are academy award winning um they won uh, the academy award for their work on death becomes her um if you'll remember some absolutely phenomenal special effects in death becomes her uh, they were nominated for academy awards for starship troopers um they were also nominated for work in the alien franchise i think that it was post alien 3 so alien 3 onwards uh, they were involved um they also worked on the first two tremors sequels um and countless other films that you'll know uh, far too many to kind of list but their most recent work includes it uh, the predator and godzilla king of the monsters so they're kind of the three most recent ones that they've done, the three most recent big ones that they've done. But their work kind of goes all the way back to like the late 80s, early 90s. So Tremors was really one of the first ones that they did, but it clearly shows just how dedicated they were. The other things that they did was they used a lot of miniatures and uh, smaller scale puppets. Obviously, they had this massive eight foot long puppet, but they also did quite a lot with miniatures. Um and the things that they use things like miniatures for was um, so scenes where the graboid kind of bursts through the ground, uh, for example, uh, would be completely impossible for a foam puppet to come through the earth like that. So what they did was they achieved it. It was two guys with Bob and Dennis Skotek and they had tabletop miniatures. Um, so they were working on location. They the backdrops were all hand painted as well. Um, so you had hand painted backdrops mimicking the Sierra Desert, um, and they would basically work on location with the same light, which was very important to make it look the same. And you can't tell, like these shots with the miniatures are indistinguishable from the rest of the movie. Um, and every little detail really is perfected. Um, you know, such as the graboid that Val and Earl unintentionally kill as it hits the concrete. Like I say, they were made of lightweight foam. They were hand-painted as well. Um, and then they were buried in the ground to be dug back up, to make it look like they were actually, these creatures were from underground. Um, this is a fairly kind of small-scale movie, really. Um, it's it's very big and bombastic in its special effects and how it uses the, the creatures. Um, and, and that's really important. But generally, when we're talking about scale... Um, we don't really have any kind of mass world ending invasions or, you know, anything like that. It's very kind of small scale and that it's very central to this small town, you know, population of 20 people 
in a valley facing off against four giant worms um and they may be there because of radiation uh, they may have come from out of space the movie doesn't even really need to explain where they've come from um and it's small in scale but it's absolutely massive in scope and stature and that's something that you rarely see in movies like this it's normally kind of the other way around so you have a big massive world ending event that's going to happen and then you know actually the stuff that's important the stuff that you should kind of really be focused on is actually not great (laughs) um and the sheer effort to actually make um a creature feature like this that still looks as good as this does 30 years later because let's not forget this movie came out in 1990 it's now 2020 so this movie is 30 years old this year and it looks incredible genuinely um i think it still looks really great and that is again a testament to the brilliance of practical effects and how practical effects can make a movie still look good it's it do, it doesn't feel like it's aged all that much the fashion yeah fashion's aged a little bit um but everything else is really on point in this movie um from a special effects point of view there are four graboids in the movie I think it's really easy sometimes to forget that there are four. Um, and that's because one gets dispatched quite quickly. Um, we know that there are four because they die in the following ways. So number one slams into a cement wall, um, gets a bit of a headache and uh, his guts fall out of his brains. Um, number two is the one that gets shot with an elephant gun um, by the gummers. Number three, it gets blown up by eating dynamite, so has a bit of a poorly tum-tum. And number four is the final one and essentially gets driven off a cliff. And the graboids themselves are really fascinating because obviously there are four of them. um, And so there are kind of four times the danger in effect. Um, But they're all kind of teased in a very similar way. So the way that they are brought into the movie is very reminiscent of Jaws. Um, because although it's not impossible to operate mechanics in sand and dirt, um, it's not as difficult as it is to operate a mechanical shark in water. So although Jaws was shot that way, kind of out of necessity, in a sense that Bruce, the shark in Jaws, was was shot to hide him for a certain period of the movie, that was purely because Steven Spielberg was just having so many problems with this mechanical puppet in the water that it was born of necessity. But Tremors doesn't need to do that. But it does it in such a good way. The movement of of the sand as well um, and lots of ground level POV shots really kind of give the eerie aspect to the movie that when the Graboids do eventually appear, they're just so astonishing to look at. Like, it's almost a thing of beauty that's just really hideous. And they're incredibly well detailed with these amazing fluid movements that just add to the realism. And the fluid movements obviously come from the fact that they are puppets being controlled by people. And the way that the little snaky tongues move, I mean, it still creeps the hell out of me, is because they are real. They are real, tangible creatures that the actors are interacting with. Um, Like Jaws as well, the Graboids learn and adapt. They're smart Um, they outwit the humans they set traps for them Um, and a monster out to get you is one thing a smart monster out to get you is another thing completely entirely different let's face it comparisons to Jaws which is still regarded as one of the greatest monster movies ever made really don't hurt Tremors in fact I kind of think they bolster Tremors I want to talk a little about the characters so we have Everyman Erlenval 
are kind of the reluctant heroes. But apart from a couple of good ideas, they're not really the brains of this operation because Rhonda is the brains of this operation. Um, Finn Carter, she was nominated for a Saturn Award for the role of Rhonda. And she's kind of not the girl of Val's dreams at the start. Um, but as this kind of very smart, studious seismologist, she's the driving point for understanding the graboids and tends to have the best ideas even though like most female leads she's completely ignored at the start but having a female lead character and a woman in stem no less is something i very much personally appreciate um i appreciate it a lot more now watching it than i probably did when i was a kid because i was probably too scared of the actual graboids themselves to even think about Rhonda being a woman in stem but the characters in this movie they're not really that complex um, we don't get to know much about them. We don't know about their history. We know that Earl and Val are friends. Uh, they're obviously very close. Um, but we don't need to know. We don't need the characters to be complex. Um, and in fact, that's probably the only difference between Tremors and Jaws in that regard. Um, because obviously Jaws does lean into its characters a lot more. You learn more about them. You kind of feel a bit more connected to the characters in Jaws. And Tremors has character beats, but it doesn't weigh anything down with any mighty exposition or complex character arcs because Tremors knows what we're here to see. Um, the actual romance element between uh, Val and Rhonda um, was added after test audiences chanted kiss her at the end of test screening uh, because originally they were going to talk. Val was going to get in his truck and he was basically going to drive away, essentially. Um, they reshot a kiss between Val and Rhonda um, and I'll argue the movie didn't need it um, audiences wanted it so it, it got it but certainly doesn't need it Val and Earl's attempt to one-up each other constantly with games of rock paper scissors um, and the loser getting out of the task kind of subverts at the end with the loser you know in that case Val choosing to override Earl and just kind of do it anyway it does show some actual character growth um, which I'll take like I said with complex characterization it doesn't really go very far with complex characterization but it is nice to see a character that experiences a little bit of growth um and obviously we need to remember as well the characters aren't the main feature the graboids are the main feature and the movie knows this um the other thing that it does as well which i really like um is it kind of does harken back to 50s sci-fi b movies um a lot of the time those kind of movies were derided um kind of seen as lesser movies because they were you know made very cheaply um a lot of the time they was very silly and to be fair tremors we'll talk about financials and stuff it wasn't an expensive movie to make it is a silly movie um it pays homage to these 50s b movies but it also kind of satirizes them as well um the scares are played seriously and the comedy is played for the right amount of laughs so as not to detract from the seriousness of the situation that people are in, um, which is a really interesting balance that they go for um, because the original script for the movie, there was a hell of a lot more jokes. Um, it was more of a comedy than it was uh, a horror or a monster. It's more of a monster movie than a horror movie, but it was more of a comedy. And they actually stripped a lot of those jokes out because they realised that if you have too much comedy, then the monsters aren't going to be scary. Because if all they're doing is making jokes at the monster's expense, the monster is not going to scare the audience. 
So they took a lot of those jokes out. They kept some of the comedy. Um, they kind of toned the comedy down from the original script. And it really works. I mean, the, the pace of this movie is brisk. Um, but the actual movie itself never feels like it's happening too fast. It wraps everything up neatly in an hour and 36 minutes. Um, and you kind of know that a modern monster movie would be at least two hours long. It would involve a massive amount of exposition. It would probably have some big world-ending event. Um, and it would also have a lead star who insists on getting the best lines. Whereas there is a lot of brilliant back and forth between Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. Um, and obviously Kevin Bacon, undoubtedly the biggest star, but they are very much a partnership in the movie. And, and that's actually quite appreciated to have two guys who just appear to be really good friends. Um, Talking of lines as well, the movie was famously edited at the last minute. When the movie was originally shot, um, it was R-rated um, and it involved quite a lot of swears. Um, so what they did was they they changed their minds at the last minute um, because they wanted to make it more commercially viable and they wanted it to appeal to more of a family audience. Um, and I don't swear on the podcast. Um, so words like the F word uh, were replaced with sucker and mother humper uh, <laughs> and if you watch the mouths you can clearly see the actors mouthing one word um, and the audio voicing another word um, still this is what gave the movie a pg-13 rating in america um, and wilson and madoka on record stating they were happy to make the change um, and to be honest this definitely contributed to tremor's success later on um, because as i'm going to talk about in a bit it was a massive success in the home rental um, and purchase market. And it undoubtedly would not be so if it had all of those F-bombs in it. Um, the links to the movie Dune uh, also don't go amiss. And the filmmakers themselves kind of recognised this um, and did their best to not copy the famous Dune sandworms. But it's a bit difficult, I think, when they're all worms, I guess. Okay, I feel like I've just been like, talking and talking uh, talking about tremors which is kind of why i'm here to do um but i want to kind of break up the tremors talk a little bit um because i want to talk about my obligatory keanu reference because i did say in the bridesmaids episode which was hard enough i said how am i gonna do <laughs> an obligatory keanu reference for tremors uh and i'll be honest i was gonna make it really crude um and i was gonna talk about length but I'm not going to um, because even though I know my mother won't be listening to this because she hates the movie Tremors, I'm not going to go there because that would lower the tone and I'm a respectable young lady. Uh, so I'm going to try and make this as relevant as possible because I'll be honest, the next episode's obligatory kind of reference is so easy that my nephew could get it. And, and I'm talking about the littlest nephew. He's eight months old and, and he can get it. So in honour of that one being so easy... Here's this one. So Keanu Reeves starred in John Wick, chapters two and three, with Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne starred with Kevin Bacon in Mystic River. And that's how I link Keanu's graboid to Kevin's graboid via John's wick. Um, I mean, John Wick. I seem to have John Wick on the brain right now. Heaven knows why. Um, so back to Tremors. Um, as I mentioned, uh, kind of, um, Tremors was a bit of a box office failure. Um it ended up becoming a cult classic and it got resurrected on VHS rentals and home purchase. It ended up becoming one of the most rented films of 1990. 
Um, again, going back to the decision that they made to curb some of the bad language. Um, the movie was made for $11 million and it grossed 16.6 million. Um, so it, it wasn't a complete failure, but it wasn't really a success either. And like I say, it found cult classic status on VHS um, and is now widely regarded as actually a really great, fun monster movie. Pretty much everyone I've spoken to, apart from my mother who hates this movie, pretty much everyone just has really fond memories of Tremors. And I think that's really great. Not many people have fond memories about the sequels. Um, I myself, I have seen some sequels. I don't remember which ones specifically. Um, I know that there are different versions of the Graboids in them. I know you can get the Shriekers and the Ass Blasters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said Ass Blaster. Um, so Tremors 2 Aftershocks came out in 1996. Uh, that was followed by Tremors 3 Back to Perfection in 2001. Then a prequel, Tremors 4 The Legend Begins, came out in 2004. All of these Tremors movies, so Tremors, Tremors 2, Tremors 3, Tremors 4, they were all made under the Stampede Entertainment Production Company. Uh, they also made Tremors the series, which had one season in 2003. That was a TV show. I think it was a sci-fi TV show. And then Tremors 5 Bloodlines came out in 2015. Uh, and Tremors A Cold Day in Hell in 2018. So they were made as Universal decided to relaunch the franchise. Um, they relaunched it without Stampede Entertainment's involvement. Um, they produced it under its Universal 1440 production company. And a seventh movie, which is called Tremors Island Fury, is due out this year. And if you're listening in the future, that was 2020. <laughs> so Tremors as a franchise is kind of still going strong. And when I say strong, I mean director video strong. But people still want to see Tremors movies. So again, going back to 1990 in the original movie, there was a lot of scope there for where did these creatures come from? What can these creatures do? Can these creatures reproduce? Uh, will they become ass blasters? Uh, all of those questions that people wanted to know are continually being answered in these uh, additional Tremors movies. Um, there was also uh, a pilot episode for a brand new Tremors TV show um, that was uh, produced in 2018. It was produced by Bloomhouse. They're obviously very well known for their horror movies. It actually starred Kevin Bacon back as Val McKee, uh, returning to the franchise after 28 years. But it was actually never picked up for a season. So that 2018 Tremors TV show remains just a pilot. Um, it remains unmade. There is a trailer for that pilot online. It actually looks okay. It's nice to see Kevin Bacon back. Um, I think Kevin Bacon as an actor after he made this movie, um, he was a little bit like, what have I done? Um, I've just made a movie about giant sandworm things. Um, but I think as time's progressed, he's actually really proud of Tremors. Um, and so he should be because it's really great. And all of these multiple sequels, there's been a prequel, there's been two attempts at a TV show, um, is probably, I think, one of the main reasons Tremors might not be as revered as a full-on great monster movie by the general film-going public. And that's oversaturation. The sheer amount of subpar sequels and spin-offs that diluted what potentially could have been a great franchise. Um, like I say, with more types of graboids, um, 
but these movies are kind of seen as a bit of a laughing stock um, and seem to have dulled the public's appreciation for the original maybe a little bit. Um, I mean, certainly not from the people I've spoken to. Everyone seems to love Tremors, apart from my mother. But again, it's like people never really kind of go to it. When you think of a great monster movie, you would maybe go for something other than Tremors. But I certainly think, don't discount Tremors. It has been forgotten a little bit over time. Um, but watching it again just really brought back, well, it brought back quite a lot of fear for me, uh, childhood fear and anxiety, but also... It's just a lot of fun to watch, really genuinely fun. And like I say, I am such a sucker for practical effects and these effects are great, really great. I really can't praise Tremors enough. I think it's wonderful. Moving over to social media thoughts. Um, so something that I like to do is I like to ask people on social media for what they think of movies that I'm going to cover. Uh, and I had loads Again, people love Tremors. Um, so going over to Twitter, at Gundam Guyver, who is Mike from Geek Salad, said, Such a wonderful comedy horror. Certainly more comedy than horror, but it's just a load of fun all around. At That Sequel Guy said, Adore all of the Tremors films. Actually got to interview one of the co-creators and director of 2 and 4 for my book. Looking forward to listening to this one. I look forward to you listening to it, Dom. Uh, <laughs> uh, at Lee Meanderthals said weirdly I only ever remember watching it as a kid when it was on late at night I can't recall seeing it at all as an adult it never scared me at all but was enjoyable the less said about the more airborne sequels the better at versus yours said it made me wary of the floor and questioned that's grass at my back door for a long time at Chris Welford 6 said classic B-movie homage sci-fi comedy horror blinding at Phoenix Anomaly said, I sure did laugh watching Kevin Bacon trying to swing a hammer. That man has never used a hammer in his life. Or he is that brilliant of an actor. And finally, the obligatory episode comment from Andy from Geek Salad, who was late to the party. Um, and I told him he was too late and he couldn't be involved. But he loves Verbal Diorama so much. He did some begging and pleading. Uh, and I eventually acquiesced to his request. Um, that's not true. He gave me a comment a bit late when I was putting this episode together and I felt bad saying no to him because I could always rely on Andy. Andy is involved in all of these comment sections pretty much. So, um, so yeah, I had to add Andy. So Andy at Geek Salad Radio said, The worms, they guard the spice. Wait, wrong movie. Over on Instagram, uh, Movies at the Mat said... There are two major camps for this film, those who love it and those who hate it. People hate it because it's ridiculous nonsense and a mindless horror comedy. Other people love it because it's ridiculous nonsense and a mindless horror comedy. So I think it reflects one's mood more than anything. And for the record, I am in the love it camp. And Flick.Face said, Pretty sure Kevin Bacon's character name was Valentine. That alone gives it some points. I used to love Tremors as a kid, to the point I pretended our crazy paving on our front drive was a collection of rocks and Tremors lurked in the cracks. It was pretty tense. And you say that, but everyone, when you were a kid, played like things like The Ground is Lava and stuff like that, and you had to kind of jump on something. And it's very similar. And I can completely understand the floor is tremors and you've got to kind of find a rock or something to climb on to get away from them. Kids these days are missing out. 
play the Floorage Tremors. Get your kids to play the Floorage Tremors and then get them to watch Tremors. And then they'll never, ever want to play the Floorage Tremors ever again. Well, if they were me when I was a kid anyway. Uh, on Facebook, we have Sheena. And she said, yes, <laughs> this is the only Kevin Bacon movie I like. Well, the only one where he survives anyway. And finally, Eric said, it's an unabashedly fun, goofy 50s sci-fi monster movie throwback in the same vein as Independence Day. And I love it all the more for that. The cast has a great, if not occasionally odd lineup, having Kevin Bacon and even more so a country singer like Reba McIntyre in a film like this is rather bizarre, but they work quite well with Michael Gross, of course, being the standout role as the infamous Burt Gummer. The film is equal parts hilarious, thrilling and absolutely absurd, but somehow all works well together, with a scene like the shootout with the graboid in the bunker being an instant classic. As the film is a little bit under the radar, I'm glad I found out about it, and I recommend the first couple of sequels and the TV series as well, but I understand why some would only prefer the original. I hope this kind of film is made again soon, because it's a great example of a lazy afternoon entertainment. Which, yes, completely agree with all of that, Eric, uh, apart from the sequels bit. Um, but I haven't even really mentioned Burt Gummer. Uh, but Burt Gummer is pretty infamous now, I think, from his role in this movie. Uh, he and his wife, Heather, have this basement, uh, this concrete underground bomb shelter, I, I assume. And it's basically just full of guns. So when one of the graboids comes through the wall, they just start shooting and shooting and shooting. And it is hilarious. Um, but Burt Gummer is one of the main characters in the sequels because obviously they couldn't get Kevin Bacon back. So they got Michael Gross to do pretty much all of the work in the sequels. I don't think uh, this kind of film will be made again because I think the reliance on CGI monsters um, would dilute a movie like this. Because these monsters feel real and CGI monsters don't feel real. Um, and they probably never will feel completely tangible. Um, but um, great comments, everyone. Thank you very much to everyone who took the time to write uh, comments. Um, I love getting comments from people, genuinely. Um, it always makes me a bit sad when I don't get very many for an episode. Um, so I'm just over the moon that people just have so much love for Tremors. And that's mainly because... I love it. And and it's one of those that I chose for the podcast, like I say, because I wanted to do something completely different to Bridesmaids and Tremors kind of just fit the bill. And I ended up, I didn't own it. I ended up buying it on DVD um, and, and getting a copy of it and watching it. It's just, it's genuinely made me love it a little bit more than I did. While they are doing a lot of sequels and, and stuff, I think it's inevitable that Tremors will be rebooted one day because there is such a literal goldmine here of stories that you can kind of talk about. Um, and I know they've kind of delved into different things in the sequels and stuff, but it seems pretty obvious to me that one day in the near future, there will be an announcement for a Tremors reboot. It's not going to be the same. It, you can't emulate this kind of movie again. Um, I've mentioned Lightning in a Bottle quite a few times on this podcast, talking about movies that just seem to be right place, right time, uh, right cast, right script. Um, and Tremors just kind of really seems to fit that bill. Anyway, I have waffled on about Tremors for a little while. Um, thank you if you're still listening. Um, and thank you for listening. Um, 
as always, um, I would love to hear your thoughts on tremors. So, next episode. Right, okay. I don't know if you can tell, I've got a massive smile on my face right now. Um, You know that Keanu Reeves is my absolute fave. Um, And I've covered a few of his movies on the podcast so far. So I've done Speed, um, I've done The Matrix, I've done Constantine. But I wanted to bring out the big guns. And I mean big guns. Guns. Lots of guns. And I'm going to need help. Because there's quite a lot of adversaries. And so I'm enlisting help from the best. They impart knowledge on myth, philosophy and history around with the skills of a professional knife thrower. They are Derek and Laurel from The Midnight Myth. And we are teaming up to take on not one, not two, but three movies. The next episode is all about John Wick, John Wick Chapter 2, and John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Oh my God, the smile on my face just got so big. Uh, So that's three Keanu's for the price of one. Let me tell you, it's a dream episode for me in so many ways. Uh, It's not only the John Wick trilogy, it's also with a pair of my favourite podcasters in the world. So... The next episode of Verbal Diorama is on the John Wick trilogy and I'm so incredibly excited to bring that to you. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Anyway. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm very excited. Um, If you like this episode, I've also done episodes on... Here we go. Titan AE, Captain Marvel, Dread, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, Pleasantville, The Cabin in the Woods, Speed, Aladdin, 1992-2019, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, X-Men Dark Phoenix, Charlie's Angels, 2000, The Mummy, 1999, The Matrix, John Carter, Willow, The Iron Giant, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Logan, Edge of Tomorrow, Legally Blonde, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 10, Hush, Mystery Men, Passengers, Stardust, Constantine, Arthur Christmas, Akira, Kubo and the Two Strings, The Incredibles, The Lego Movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Howl's Moving Castle, My Neighbour Totoro, Spirited Away, Treasure Planet, Clueless, Hellboy 2004, Hellboy 2 The Golden Army and Bridesmaids. And they can all be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts from. (sighs) Really need to sort that list out. (laughs) Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. You can sign up to support the show at patreon.com slash Verbal Diorama from $2 a month. You can get some fab perks such as access to the upcoming schedule, a shout out on the next episode um, and on Twitter and episodes early as well, slightly earlier than everyone else. Um, So a big thank you to patrons, Simon E, Sade, Hardy L, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek and Jason for supporting Verbal Diorama. And a special thank you to new patron Kristen uh, from friend of the podcast So I'm Watching This Show. Uh, Kristen has joined at the Johnny Utah patron level. All my tears are Keanu themed, obviously. And you'll remember Kristen from such epic episodes as Speed. 
And there's another Keanu reference there. Tremors is full of them. Um, obviously, Speed is very famous uh, as being the longest episode that I've ever done. Um, and it was so wonderful to chat to Kristin on that episode. Um, and I'm so grateful to Kristin for becoming a patron of Verbal Diorama as well. So thank you so much, Kristin. And thank you to all the patrons. You can email me if you want to get in touch um, with general hellos, feedback or suggestions. That's verbaldiorama at gmail.com. Uh, my website is verbaldiorama.com. If you like what I do or what any podcaster does, for that matter, and you want to leave me a great review, you can do so over on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Um, I would really appreciate that. And so would any podcaster that you listen to. Um, and finally, um, I have a column over at Film Stories magazine. It's an independent British movie magazine. Um, I would love it if you would continue to support it, even during these very difficult times because there are some wonderful people who work on it. Um, you can go to filmstories.co.uk slash magazine. You can purchase one-off copies. You can subscribe. I'm also still doing bits for Film Stories Online. So I do a British movie podcast recommendation every week where I recommend other British movie podcasts. Um, I've so far recommended 24 of them, or coming up to 24 of them. Uh, they're all fantastic. Um, if you want to know who they are, um, then get in touch with me. I will give you a nice long list of all of these wonderful podcasts to listen to. If you are a British movie podcast and I have not featured you, there is a chance you're on my list. There's also a chance that you are not on my list. Um, please get in touch with me. You can email me. You can get in touch with me on social media. If you would like me to feature you, please get in touch with me and I will get you added to the list. Um, also for film stories, I do an iPlayer list, which is BBC. Here I have a service called iPlayer. It's um, free to everyone who has a TV license, which pretty much everyone does. Um, and they show movies. Um, they have loads and loads of films that are available for free on their service. So I update that list every week as well. So, right, we're finally coming to the end of this episode. Right, well, this is actually a shorter episode than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I thought I had more to say about Tremors. Um, Tremors is great. <laughs> Go see Tremors. It's brilliant. Um, but uh, but hey, uh, check this out. I found the ass end. Bye. Movie should know.